If you've ever felt that someone knew a lot more about a topic than you, well, you're probably not alone. You know, at least in the automotive industry, when it comes to servicing vehicles, someone somewhere likely has been doing it longer than you have. But the seas are changing, and they could be getting a little rough as we try to adjust to new vehicles. The next wave of technology will likely have us all in the same boat. Will we be drifting aimlessly or sailing to success? Today, we're talking technology lifelines on this episode of Shop Owner Solutions. This episode of Shop Owner Solutions is presented by CTI WTI, the CarQuest and World Pack Training Institutes. CTI WTI offers world-class technical and business management training for automotive service professionals. To learn more, visit my.advance.pro/shoptraining. Hi again everybody. My name is Doug Kaufman. I'm editor of Shop Owner. It's my pleasure to welcome Rob Morell, Director of Training for World Pack Technical Institute and Isaac Rodell, Program Manager for Alternative Fuels with WTI. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Now, Rob, am I wrong in thinking that some of the terminology used in today's shop is already causing fear about tomorrow? You know, EV, ADOS, alternative fuels. Are these topics on the horizon, or are they already a significant part of your world as a trainer? No, they're they're already part of our world and and have been for a while now. Um, I think um, change causes a little bit of fear in in everyone, but uh, but we're we're working on that. I mean, we have twenty eight OS classes. We've been teaching that for a while now, and and it's evolving. It's changing. Obviously, there's new technologies coming out in that and everything. And then uh, we have fifty five high voltage classes, but but we've been, you know, training the independent shops with high voltage vehicles for quite a while, if you look at hybrids and that sort of thing. So um, it's not new, it's just becoming more mainstream now. Now, Isaac, explain your role in the organization, you know, what you're seeing from a shop's perspective. Uh, as Rob mentioned, it's becoming more mainstream. What do shop owners believe? What do they need? and how can they tie it all together? One of the challenges that they're seeing is that the technology is new and they're afraid. Part of the human instinct is to be afraid of what we don't understand. What we need to do here with the training and the familiarization with the platforms is let technicians and shop owners understand that there's nothing to be afraid of here. They're actually servicing these vehicles now. They're performing the maintenance procedures very likely that they're going to be the same maintenance procedures outside of an oil change or transmission fluid service exchange. Uh, they're going to translate to be the same services, whether it's an electric vehicle, a hybrid vehicle, or a traditional internal combustion engine. Um, <clears throat> they just need to understand that this technology is here. It's not going away, uh, but there's nothing here that's going to keep them from being able to work on these vehicles. Um, former CEO of GM's cruise division, Dan Ammon, said, we will see more change in the next five years than there's been in the last 50. Just a week or so ago, I was in a Ford Lightning uh, Platinum Edition with the hands-free option, and to get on the highway and take my hands off the wheel and 
put my faith in the technology, there was a little bit of fear in my, you know, little trepidation. First time I'd actually given up the control of the wheel like that. That's obviously not the fear that we're talking about. But let's discuss the adoption of the technology and what it means. You know, how has the industry been changing as it relates to the adoption of, let's let's start first with high voltage vehicles and then get behind the wheel and and talk (laughs) hands-free. The adoption for high voltage has been a slow process. The first high voltage vehicle released in the United States was uh, was a full consumer ready vehicle that you could go buy at a dealership was in 1999 and that was the Honda Insight. Uh, So we are now pushing on year 24 of hybrids being available as a consumer ready product that you could walk into a dealership and buy anywhere in the country. So uh, to say that the integration to a shop, for it to happen overnight, for people that have not started to adapt now, they, they, they may see this as a huge uphill battle, uh, but it's been around for pushing 24 years as of uh, the current model year vehicles that are out. So yes, there's a time at which we're reaching a threshold where you have to start adapting. But there have also been a lot of shops that have adapted over the last 24 years and started to integrate this technology into their shops. One of the suggestions that I would give everybody uh, is something that Rob went through with WorldPack when they were starting to navigate how we were going to deliver parts. And that is to go out and buy a Gen 2 Toyota Prius to understand and learn the technology. Every shop in the country should buy a Gen 2 Prius that's had the catalytic converter stolen or a bad battery from their customer and use that to educate your staff internally uh, to learn about the technology, take it apart, because it is kind of the golden standard of hybridization. And it has every piece of an electric vehicle. It has every piece of a hybrid. Uh, and so it has everything that they need to learn the technology and integrate it into their, into their shop. And then you could also use it as an advertising piece, a service solution, a loaner car. There's so many different avenues that you can use that and integrate it into your everyday lifestyle and shop environment to where it just becomes a normal part of your service and and it doesn't seem abnormal or anything new anymore. That's an interesting concept. Let's talk about that, Rob. Explain what that process was like and and what you learned by it. Well, it's funny. We were looking actually for an EV uh, as a delivery vehicle and for WorldPack and in most of the climates, you know, well, everywhere we were using trucks and, uh, but but we wanted something else. And I looked at all these EVs and they just really, at that point in 2005, 2006, they really didn't exist. And so we found um, a Prius, I bought one actually, that we could adapt it to carry almost everything, even a Mercedes exhaust and that sort of thing. And uh, more than double the, the gas mileage, uh, easier to park, all of that stuff. And so uh, we ended up buying several of them, obviously, uh, for, for the company. And uh, it was a good win for everybody and a learning experience. And I still have that first one uh, that I bought because I, I made the recommendation and I, I wanted to make sure you know, it was good. I bought one myself. And uh, Isaac and I have actually just gone through that vehicle and souped it up, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it, it's got a lithium iron phosphate battery in it now, which has three times the power. Um, we even souped up the engine a little bit. It's got 40 more horsepower and uh, the suspension will outrun a GTI. So it's 
still in service and you can do a lot with those things it's pretty funny it's just a new way of thinking you know so you're the one bumping that uh, average age of the vehicle over uh, over 12 years now with yeah. the old car like that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we are. It, um, it The funny thing is we replaced, you know, all the hoses and the water pumps and everything on it. And um, there's a lot of parts on that car, on the hybrid. I mean, and worried, you know, if anybody's worried that there's nothing to replace, that's really not true. <laughs> And I think that is one of the concerns uh, with a lot of shop owners and technicians is that they'll open the hood, open the frunk or whatever, and not find anything under there. We can't work on anything. There's nothing to nothing to do, but there will still be things to work on with a hybrid. Certainly, it's uh, the services uh, necessary. How's the training required to work on that? Is that something that that people really need to be concerned about, or they kind of already know it? No, they they really do need to get in there. The the they're different, and the, the you need to learn first about the safety. Anybody working around them, uh, you know, there's a lot of voltage potential there, and and you could get hurt. It's not easy, uh, but it can be done. I think we all know, <laughs> know. accidents happen, and uh, so you have to be aware of it. And uh, and if you're actually working on the cars. Um, there's another level of certification for that to work with a high voltage components and that kind of thing. And then the third level is when you start to get into the batteries themselves and start repairing those, disassembling them, replacing them and that kind of thing. But there is training, but but there's training with ADOS, there's training with the new engines that are out there. There's You're gonna need more training for the hydrogen vehicles that are coming out. And I think everybody thinks we're at some sort of peak of change right now and i don't think that's true i think we're getting used to the change that's ongoing and and as the technology moves forward i mean we've gone from hybrids and to evs now becoming more mainstream um and and hydrogen vehicles are starting to come in so i honestly i think we have several years ahead of change coming our way we just got to get used to learning and adapting and i think for mechanics and technicians it makes it more interesting let's talk about the training opportunities that are out there the types of courses that that you at uh, cti wti offer how do you plan for when the training is necessary how far out do you look where do you develop the training from do you have to buy a vehicle and work backwards to figure it out or are there what are your resources well i I think um it really depends on what level of work you're you're doing on the cars the first thing is just the awareness of of the high voltage systems and the safety equipment that you need and that sort of thing Um, and and how you service that equipment Uh, the gloves and that sort of thing have to be replaced or, or inspected every six months and that kind of thing um yeah, it starts off in a, in a regular, fairly low-level class, and then as you start to get into the systems, like like any other system, HVAC or something else, then then you start, you know, you have to get more detailed uh, training and uh, certification. I think you want a few people in the shop that are certified to work on the high-voltage vehicles and um, proven that they, you know, in a hands-on manner that they can really. Um, handle all the systems and and everything that's going on there and then when you get into the batteries that's kind of another level you need a little more equipment they're big and heavy to 
to handle them. Uh, uh, and then you need another level of certification to to actually work on those safely. But we're gonna we're gonna see that. And that you know the HVAC systems are changing, trying to keep up with all of this too, and uh, and cool the batteries and that sort of thing. Now some have liquid cooling, some have air cooling, um, and some are more aggressive with the HVAC cooling. Uh, and I think as people want faster chargers, you're gonna see more of that. Right. Isaac, let's talk about some of the misconceptions around uh, you know, servicing EVs. What do shops get wrong, I guess, when they're thinking about, uh, let's not even say the future, uh, you know, today's vehicles? Where are they missing opportunities? I would say the only missed opportunity mm-hmm. uh, is the opportunity that you never take. If, mm-hmm. if, if your opinion is that the high-voltage vehicles are something that your shop doesn't want to work on, that's the only you just that's you're just shutting the door but if you said yes we're willing to learn we're willing to educate ourselves uh, and we're willing to get a deeper understanding of the technology all of these doors are opening right now the only door that's closed is the carburetor i'm in my mid-30s don't ask me to set a carburetor on anything not even my lawnmower uh, but if you want to get into reading data and high voltage vehicles you want to work on some modern diesels and some common rail technology uh, I, i'm in uh, so it's just more of a times are changing thing, and, and are you willing to adapt to make the change? But the things that aren't changing is tires, suspension. This is all still a regular service opportunity. These vehicles are heavy. The batteries are heavy. These are low rolling resistance tires. You have a ton of torque that is at the front wheels with an electric motor behind it while you're turning. There's lots of, uh, lots of tire wear that's going to happen, lots of suspension components. These vehicle suspensions are all being built out of aluminum. They're primarily built to be lightweight, uh, but they all still have ball joints. So we have aluminum control arms and ball joints, and so we're still going to have lots of opportunity, but most of it's going to be in traditional suspension maintenance. Now, these vehicles also have air filters. They've got cabin air filters, and so all of the regular 30,000-mile services that you would do minus an oil change, uh, but even some of these transmissions still have gearbox oil in them, the Teslas have a filter on them, so there's still service opportunities even for fluid exchanges. The cooling systems are extremely important in these vehicles. The cooling systems uh, not only precondition the battery, but they also condition the inverter. Uh, they can also condition the cabin air, or it could have an electric heater. But the cooling system and the ethylene glycol coolant, the glycol-based coolant systems, are going to be crucial. And so we have to start doing more testing in those systems to make sure that everything is working, our pH is properly, our additive packages are where they're supposed to be, because that's an essential service. And as the passages get smaller, less debris uh, less debris can cause clogs and that can cause heat exchange issues and degrade the life of a battery. And so we may just need to look at these service opportunities differently than we have with traditional internal combustion engines, but it's it's very similar opportunities that still exist. Yeah. So when a technician, when a shop owner makes that call, okay, you know, we're doing the, we're going to get into the, uh, this new technology. We're not afraid of it. What are the challenges that techs are facing when they're dealing with them for the first time? Where, you know, really, where do they start? So in my mind, there's 
kind of a chronological order to that, but it doesn't have to be. It's not a defined chronological order. But the idea is to start with your 12-volt brain. Start with your low-voltage brain, the, all, the, all the critical thinking skills that you've accumulated through your entire career, and make sure that you have a solid fundamental understanding of the 12-volt systems. Once you have a solid understanding of the 12-volt systems, then you need to go through what I would call the fundamentals. You need to start learning the components, what the, what the difference is. What is the DC to DC converter on a high-voltage vehicle? What component is that related to in our 12-volt world? It's going to be the alternator. We're replacing the alternator with a DC to DC converter. What's an inverter? What's a motor controller? So we need to go through and we need to learn the fundamentals of what the technology are. After you've learned the fundamentals, then you can go into application-specific training. Like we have excellent BMW high-voltage training that is factory training. We have excellent Toyota training that is factory training. But until you've gone through the fundamental trainings of what the components are and how those components integrate with every vehicle, uh, I think that the OE-specific is, is better left to the shops that are OE-specific uh, branded shops anyway. We have, we have lots of shops in our, our in the world pack world that are euro specific shops and they're going to go after brand specific training but as a general repair side uh what we may see in a general repair shop or, or the type of shop that, that i used to own uh we would look for a general education first and then go after brand specific training after that depending on what our current customer base was uh, or me being a fleet shop if one of my fleets said hey we're coming and we're looking at purchasing X amount of this vehicle. Uh, can you get your shop trained up on this vehicle so that our fleet can accommodate that or, or so that you can accommodate our fleet's needs? Got it. Now, so shop owners and technicians can really build on their knowledge of what they have gained over the years. It's not necessarily uh, brand new ways of thinking. It's just adjusting your way of thinking. Exactly. It's just it's a, a, adapting your, your learning model to fit a different technology. None of, nothing is new. We're not reinventing the wheel. We are making really fast changes to how the wheel is turned. So let, let's talk about other power sources than just electricity. Um, Rob, you mentioned hydrogen. Um, there's natural gas. There are other power sources than electricity and petroleum-based you know, fluids. Uh, how does that training requirement come along? Where do the training requirements for those other types of fuels come into play? Um, really depends, you know, of course, from, from our end uh, on demand and uh, that sort of thing. But, but like I said, it, in the area that I live in, in the Bay Area here in California, um, there's already on my block quite a few hydrogen vehicles. And there's an EV and almost at least every other house, if not more. And uh, so I, th I think as the demand starts to get up there, then um, uh, then the training will follow pretty closely. And I, I think the hydrogen is starting to come into play. At this last expo that we did in Florida uh, this year, we had uh, our very first hydrogen training classes there. So, um, so we're on it, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're getting there. Uh, but, but that was, you know, we had several EV classes and uh, I forget how many exactly, about 35 probably, but, um, but and only one uh, hydrogen class. But I think at this next expo uh, in 2024, you're gonna see uh, quite a few hydrogen classes as we start to get more into that. And, and there has been some requests for, um, 
for other fuels too. So, uh, so we're looking into that as well. Well, the pace of change is certainly rapid. Uh, you know, California, for example, has made announcements that you know, within the next few years, uh, you know, internal combustion will no longer be available in new cars. Um, there are things that have, have a lot of people very concerned in a lot of different areas. Time will tell, I guess, on how some of these shake out. Yeah, I think for the aftermarket, though, they're, you know, they're following the manufacturers. We have the luxury of being a few years behind because of warranties and all that. So I think it's a little easier for us to get prepared and get up to speed because we see it happening in real time. And in our response, we need to get our shop ready a couple of years later. So um, I think we're in good shape and not everybody agrees on the all EV world. I mean, if you see some of the publications from Toyota and stuff, some of the manufacturers are pushing back a little bit uh, on some of that going solely EV uh, in the future. But I think we're going to have combinations. We've, you know, we've gotten rid of points and condensers and uh, carburetors for the most part and all of that sort of thing. And now we're moving into more electronics, high voltage and ADOS and, and that sort of thing, and uh, new things for the technicians to learn on, on these new cars that are coming out. It's just different. I think it's, there's always been a variety of things that we needed to know as technicians, but it's just evolving a little bit and changing. CTI-WTI is committed to providing industry-leading training and support for automotive service professionals. The CTI-WTI development teams work directly with subject matter experts, OE manufacturers, and use on-vehicle testing to license content and create proprietary course materials. CTI-WTI is host of the STX Supplier and Training Expo, returning in 2024 to Nashville, Tennessee. STX is the most exclusive training event in the automotive industry, offering training from the best OE manufacturers and CTI WTI instructors for highly specialized curriculum in one convenient location. Okay, guys, I was at the STX in Orlando earlier in the year and there was a certain electric class that people had to you know they had to test into that class but the the demand was was great let's talk about some of the training that you offer at STX and uh, and talk about the program you know what it's all about it's um, what we're trying to do is offer the most variety of training uh, in the industry and we're making a couple of points by that I think there's a there's, there's so much training out there that the shops should be involved with uh, year round. And we're kind of demonstrating that at, at the uh, STX. But in that, this last one, the class that you were talking about, the, the high voltage uh, certification class, that's the first time we've done that. And it was difficult. They, they had to pass um, several online training courses first before the event. And then they had to take six, all six sessions uh, at the STX to get their and pass a test uh, that was fairly difficult um, to get their certification. But all of them uh, did get their certification at that. And we weren't sure about that going in, if they were all going to make it. It's a hell of a lot of work right, <laughs> and, right. them and not knowing if they're going to pass. But um, 
but we put a lot of work into that and uh, I think it was very successful and to your point we we also had uh, about four times the amount of people that that wanted to take that course that actually could uh, so we only had 25 students there and uh, which was all we could do yeah to offer that kind of variety uh, is a lot of work you know Isaac was a huge part of that too and and we're going to offer more variety at this next one coming up that uh, we've had some high performance classes in the past, which is mostly theory. Um, and a lot of people have questioned that, but I think learning the theory really enables a diagnostic technician uh, to be more fluid and, and enhance their thinking processes a little bit. It, it goes a little more in depth on how things work. and. Uh, you know, cam timing and, and rod ratio and all those things, uh, but it really helps you create a strong diagnostic technician. And those classes also draw in a lot of the high school and college kids. We usually have a few hundred, we're gonna have uh, even a little bit more this time, um, local high school and college kids that come for free. And uh, the only prerequisite that we say to their instructors is that they can't pick the courses. They got to let the kids pick the courses they want, and uh, which is kind of hard to figure out, you know, when you have 300 different classes you have to look at, but but it helps them make it, you know, you only get six of them, and uh, but it helps them make a decision on, you know, what direction they want their career to go. What are they really interested in? Can you make any uh, determinations from those decisions from last year of, of where the where the students are leaning? Uh, you would think so, but not really. It's hilarious because uh, there was one gal in high school that was in a, you know, a technician training program, and she picked all management classes. She wanted to own a shop, and I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Some take all Porsche classes. Some are, are uh, we had some in that high voltage uh, certification class. Um, it's really all over the map, which is kind of which is cool. I mean, there's so many different careers in our our world, in the automotive world. Um, and that's the other point we were trying to make is the, you know, you've got service writers, shop owners, technicians, engineers, um, the, there's all kinds of careers, uh, especially in the parts world and that kind of thing. So, Isaac, years ago, a few years ago, there was a concern that, you know, young kids didn't want to drive anymore. It doesn't seem like that's as big a concern anymore. It seems like kids do want to drive. And what you had mentioned with souping up the Prius that you had, it looks like there may be opportunities for kids to still work on cars in the future. Is that true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that's uh, going to encourage the younger generation to be to continue to be automotive enthusiasts is a car is basically a phone with wheels now. It's a skateboard. It's, it's a phone that's a skateboard that can drive you 300 miles. Uh, you know, we've got 12-inch Android touchscreens in the dash of a car that's going to keep the younger generation entertained. Uh, and from an enthusiast standpoint, people that are into drag racing, tracking cars, there will, there will be a future in that. I mean, if you start watching some of these guys that are drag racing EVs, they're fast. They're really fast. <laughs> you know, you have sub 10 second cars as a production vehicle with full interiors and regular seat belts, no harnesses. As I said, being in that Platinum Edition light, the zero to 90 time on the on-ramp 
it is truly fascinating how fast those things can uh, can go and how exciting they can be. Oh, absolutely. The the noise isn't quite as exciting. Uh, we were we were at SEMA last week, uh, and Stellantis revealed their new EV platform, uh, and it has a speaker in the exhaust. It was it was pretty entertaining. It's it's a really nice looking car. They've come up with a an entire new emblem uh, for their electric vehicle brand. Uh, they they made a sleek design, but they still put a speaker in the exhaust to emulate the sound of a V8, uh, which is to wow. keep the old school people enjoying the vehicles. BMW does the same thing with the i3 and the i8. There's a speaker in the exhaust, uh, and we're going to see lots of manufacturers doing it. There's there's mandated laws that say they have to make noise uh, so that blind people are not inhibited by them in pedestrian situations near roadways. They've changed laws, so Tesla can't make fart sounds publicly anymore, uh, which is, which is you know, there's, there's some amusement factors. But the laws are not going to be able to keep up with the changing technology that's coming out, <laughs> for sure. That's... With these advancements in technology, we're going to find new types of enthusiasts. The type of car enthusiast that's young now might be the kid that is into RC cars when he's young and then gets into full-size RC cars that we now call EVs when he's an adult. And you take ADOS into consideration on top of that, you basically created a full-size RC car. And, you know, the technology, uh, changes in technology obviously are nothing new. The, uh, back in the early days of the, of the industry, the electric and steam-powered manufacturers had to adjust to this new thing called internal combustion engines. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of coming full circle maybe. Absolutely. Was it the, the 1918 Woods Electric? I believe was the the first true hybrid. You could drive it off of a battery, a lead lead acid bank of batteries, or you could switch the belt and drive it off of a little internal combustion engine. But you know, we're talking a hundred, a uh, hundred and four years ago is the yeah. first hybrid that I know of. <laughs> we think it's so new. Well, I would uh, like to thank Rob Morell and Isaac Rodell from World Pack Training Institute for joining me today. Guys, you have given us all a lot to think about. Thanks so much. Well, thank Absolutely. you for having us. Thank you. This episode of Shop Owner Solutions is presented by CTI-WTI, the CarQuest and WorldPAC Training Institutes. CTI-WTI offers world-class technical and business management training for automotive service professionals. To learn more, visit my.advance.pro slash shop training. Guys, how can people get more information about the training opportunities that are available and will be coming with you? Um, I think you can just go to our our website at uh, worldpack.com and, and training and uh, and see what we have to offer. And then uh, CTI online uh, is the, the other website for CTI. Uh, and they have a terrific website uh, with all kinds of online training and that sort of thing. Um, and we've had to adapt too, you know, we didn't even, WTI didn't even have online training before COVID. <laughs> now we're doing a ton of it. So we adapted just like everybody else. Once again, guys, thanks for joining me. I'd also especially like to thank all of our listeners. Thanks for joining us today. If you've missed an episode of Shop Owner Solutions or any of our Shop Owner Podcast episodes, you can download and listen to them at Spotify, Google, Amazon, YouTube, Apple Music, or wherever you get your favorite shows. I'm Doug Kaufman. Until we talk again, keep your head above water, 
Have a solid day. Be well, everybody.